I hope I don't disappoint you after hearing all that. You've got to listen to my sermon. We'll see how this goes. I want to talk to you about the definition of being a Christian. Uh, first of all, I want you to know I are one. I hope you are one. Uh, you know, Halloween is close. Uh, speaking of Halloween, you, people put up different uh, costumes for um, Halloween. In fact, as I ha- was on the way back to church last night from a beautiful wedding at Notting Hill Place out in uh, Little Elm for Brooke Wegman and I was with the Willises, and we had a great time out there. And on the way back, I stopped at QT, to, and I was in my tux, and I walk in, and a guy dressed like Dracula opened the door for me. I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, he thinks I'm going to the same party, I guess. I don't know. So, uh, but, but there's different costumes that people are asked to wear. But what if a, what if a Christian were to, uh, what, if you put a costume, what would a Christian look like? How, do you, how would you describe a Christian? There's some myths about being Christians. And some people say that I read a recent survey that surveyed a few people, and it gives their names and what they said about what a Christian is. Jennifer says, everybody thinks we're goody two-shoes. They think we don't have friends. We don't go to the movies or to the mall. They think all we do is read our Bibles and go to church. That's a myth. Then here's another myth. Everybody thinks that if you're a Christian, Oscar said this, if you're a Christian, you're people that carry a Bible around, you wear glasses and a suit and a tie, and you go to church, kind of nerdy. <laughs> hey, you got to help me out there. I read that one. you got to say, you're no nerd. Tell me that. Thank you. Okay. So then Chelsea said this. Some people just automatically think that because you're a Christian, your life has been perfect, that you don't have problems or struggles. That's a myth. A Christian has a lot of stuff to issues to deal with. And then I like what James said. He says some people think Christians are hypocrites. They think this because these people profess Christ, but they don't live it out at all. That's not a myth. That's the truth. James also says the truth. He said we are Christians because we love Christ. We are Christians because we love God. We are Christians because we follow Him. A Christian is someone who's been adopted into the family of God and is radically living for Him. We follow about in God's love, as the Bible says in Peter, to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are brothers and sisters. And how in the world can thousands of Christians stay out of church when they say they love the church and love Jesus and not love you in fellowship and be with you? We need God to get after them. Amen? Uh, So then I read this wonderful article by Dr. Michael Williams. He said, 73% of Americans identify themselves as Christians. He said, that's down from about 10 to 15% of the last 15 years. Makes you wonder, why is America in such a rapid decline? Maybe it's because the Christian influence is decreasing. It's down. And he said, to make sure you know this, that the commonly defined nature of a Christian is a Christian who follows Christianity and its teachings and shows the quality associated with being a Christian, qualities like decency, kindness, and fairness, and they should be there. But that falls short. What does the Bible say? The word Christian is used three times in the Bible. It's used in Acts 26, 28. It's used in 1 Peter 4, 16. And, each, and also it's in Acts eleven twenty six. In each state, each situation, the word Christanos is used, which means basically you are a biblical follower completely of the words and the life of Jesus Christ. And so today as we try to describe a Christian, we're going to look at Acts chapter 11. I want you to stand with me and read Acts chapter 11. And I want you to see what this says. Whether you find your Bibles and we're going to read together a few descriptions and just a few verses about what it means to be a Christian. Find your Bibles or find your phones. Let's look onto this together. Verse 19, it says in verse 19, it says in a large, and th- now those who have been scattered at the result of persecution and started because of Stephen, because he was, being, he was killed, and they made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. 
But there were some of them from Cyprus, Cyrene, and came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just stop there. When you tell somebody about Jesus Christ, you're not giving them bad news. You're giving them good news they need to hear. And so, so, so it's in, and it says the Lord's hand was upon them. What, why was God's hand upon them? Because they were sharing God's story. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the city and they reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the grace of God. Amen. He, he was glad and encouraged by all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. And it says of Barnabas, for he was a good man, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, brave guy. And he went and found him and brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught large numbers. And the disciples, underline this, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. You can be seated. Let's pray together. You should be seated. Father in heaven, as we're seated and prepared to hear the message, would you just stir our hearts and change us by it? In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The definition of a Christian. Let me just say this if you want to look on the screen or make notes of this. That a Christian is someone who's converted to Christ. Uh, another word that you might use as a song we just sang, a Christian is a person who's saved. And I want to tell you something. There's nothing wrong with that word. I'm saved. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm saved by the grace of God, and we should always preach that and promote that. The Bible says in verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a large number believed and came to Christ, turned and believed to Christ. Let me just say this. The operative word there about conversion is this. It says they turned. If a person is a Christian, there, was, there, was, there should be a clear, marked change in their life. There should be repentance. Jesus said in Luke, except you repent, you have no part of salvation. You have no part of, of eternity. So we have to repent. A Christian is a person who has repented, has turned from his sins, and turned to the Savior to be saved by the penalty of the sin. And what, when this reached the people there in this area in Antioch and stuff, the stoning of Stephen and his message... It sponsored their change. The testimony of Stephen, the clear understanding he had of the gospel, and a willingness to die for Jesus put that message way up high in their eyes. In the moment of salvation, some things should happen for us. I think at least three things happen, and I don't want to take time to read these verses, but jot these down. Three things happen at the moment you're saved. If you're a Christian, if you're converted, if you're saved, a person who receives Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. And that's taught in Ephesians chapter 1, 12, verse 12 and 14. I want to pause and say this. There are some groups out there that say, and we have to defend against this, that say you don't get the Holy Spirit when you're saved. You get it after you pray through, after you reach for it, after you sweat for it, after you earn it. Then you get the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit was not something you earn. It was a gift from Jesus Christ according to the Gospel of John. He gave you the Spirit. You received the Spirit because He gave you. There's one filling, one receiving, and many feelings that we say. The second thing of a Christian about someone who's converted, saved, this saved, converted person is given the ability to discern the truth. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as well as 1 John, the Gospel of John chapter 8, you shall know the truth, know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I want to tell you that I think we have to raise and sponsor a new generation of people. They're not going to sit on the bench, but get the Bibles, their book, get in the game, and know what it means to earnestly defend in the faith, as the Bible says in Jude. We've got to do that with all these people walking away. And the next thing is, if we're a Christian, we're enabled to teach others. 
In fact, that's what Paul told Timothy. The things you've heard from me, you teach other people so they may follow Christ as well. We are responsible for the people who are around us, the people who live in our neighborhoods, the people we work with, the people in our families. We're responsible to try to transfer the faith. This is what a Christian does. If someone rejects the truth according to the Bible, they cannot be saved. As we said last week, Dennis Jernigan said, there's one person that can't be saved, the person who rejects Jesus Christ. So what is a Christian? Well, it depends on who you ask. Some people if you, in America, you ask, what does it mean to be a Christian? You say, well, I was born in a Christian nation. Does that do? I was born into a Christian family, therefore I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus is the religion that started Christianity, so I'm a Christian. That's, that's, that's garbage. A Christian is somebody that has three changes in their life. You've changed your behavior, you've changed your activity, and changed your speech. Hey, folks, we need to pray some people get a hold of those changes again. Let me ask you this. How's your behavior? Are you modeling Jesus Christ? What are your activities? If people followed you around, are you going to reflect Jesus Christ? And what about your speech? Do people think that you belong to Christ? Or do they think you're part of the rest of the world? The Bible says that we aren't good enough to be saved. Uh, our works don't make us acceptable to be a Christian. In fact, the Bible says in Titus chapter 3, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all the kinds of passions and pleasures of the world and lived in malice and envy, being hated and hated everybody else. And we, did, we missed the kindness and love of God. But when it appeared, not because of our righteousness we had done, but because of His mercy, He saved us. No one deserves to be a Christian. It's God's grace that gets us there. We know we've been saved by the grace of God. And so I want to challenge you. Find, find a way to know you're a Christian. Hey, I was going to sing this song, but my voice isn't everything it used to be. And so, but I, so I'll just tell you it, okay? And I have to kind of read my notes because I stumble through some of this. It goes like this. I am a C. I am a C-H-R-I-S-C-I-N. And I have C-H-R-I-S-C in my H-E-A-R-T. And I will L-I-V-E-E-T-E-E-R-N-A-L-L-Y. Give yourself a big hand. I make no apologies. I refuse to bend to any political, immoral group that challenges me for what it means for Jesus Christ. We stand for him no matter what people say. I am a C. We stand for that. A Christian is someone who's converted to Christ, saved. A Christian is somebody who's changed by Christ. Acts chapter 11, verse 24, it talks about Barnabas. I love this story. He was a good man. What a good thing to say about somebody. A good man. Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the will of God, according to God's mercies in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Barnabas traveled to Antioch to investigate what was happening there. What's happening? What did he find? He found a growing group of believers. What did they find in him? Notice what they found in him. He brought something to the party. And when you come to church, you should bring something to the worship service. And I want us to model our life as Christians by what they saw in Barnabas. Here's what he brought to church. And I'm asking you to bring this to church every time you come. First of all, what did they bring? He was a good man. He put a good man in the seat. He could put a good man in the path. And, and so you put a good woman in church. You put a good child. You put a good teenager. You put a good guy in the youth group. You put somebody good in the deacon ministry. You put somebody good in, in the Sunday school. And they will change that church. Good people make a difference. 
He was a good man. And God says this, and God recorded in his holy scripture, what did God say about Barnabas? Good man. That's a good man right there. He's a good man. Secondly, he was not only a good man, he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. Many believers are empty. They're empty. We're full of everything in the world. We're full of our opinions and our political positions and all that. We're full of all the things we can defend, but we're not full of the Spirit. It makes us want to sing, fill my cup, Lord. I'll lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill my cup. We need to pray that God fills our cup. Listen, we shouldn't be running on empty. We should be full, excited about the things of God. And if you're not, we need to change it. And then he was full of faith. Full of faith. Uh, why are we empty? Why are we empty? Well, one person, Andrew Gamblin, says that we're empty and the world is empty, sometimes of Christianity, because of one sad story. Christians have given themselves a bad name. They used to tell me when I grew up out in church in DeSoto, be a good witness. Watch your testimony. There are people watching you. You don't want anybody to say, well, I would become a Christian, but look at that one. Listen, you don't want to be a reflection. You want to be a reflection that's true of God. We want to be the lot of the world. We, we, we should be dedicated people that reflect God. A recent story study by the Barner Group about 10 years ago said that, that young, young teens and, and young adults were asking whether or not they had a positive image of the Christian faith and the role of Christianity in society. The report showed 10 years ago, 85% of them had favorable attitudes toward Christians, but that played, a part in the, that played a part in American society. 10 years later, they found there was a growing sense of hostility and resentment toward Christians. In these days that we live in now, two out of every five young persons, 35% claim they have a bad impression of present-day Christianity. Beyond this, one-third of the young people said of Christianity that represents a negative image which they did not want to be associated with. And, and one out of six, 17% said they maintain a hatred. 17% of young adults say they hate Christianity. This is America, God's country. These things are happening. When they're asked what they didn't like about Christianity, they list four reasons. Follow the reasons. The faith itself. And what that means is that we did not make it clear. We made it seem like a system. We made it seem like a, rela a religion and not a relationship. They worried about the faith itself. Secondly, they, they struggle with me and you. Those who profess faith, they struggle with what Christians show to be. Number three, they struggle with a book. And let me tell you why they struggle with a book. Our, our present generation cannot stand system and rules. And this is a guidebook. It is a, a rule book. It, is, it contains the Ten Commandments. It does say this is the way to say it. And so let me say something. Are you going to play according to your rules? Are you going to go according to God? His. The fourth thing. They struggle with Jesus Christ himself. They doubt him. I witnessed a person recently Asked him if he was a believer. And he said this to me. He said, I believe Jesus was a good man. But I don't think he was Savior. I said, if he, if he, was, if he, was, if he was Savior, he was a good man. If he, if he was not a Savior, he's not a good man. That means he's lying to you. So what you're saying is, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ was the Savior of this world, if you reject that, you cannot say he's a good man. He is a liar and a cheat and a deceiver. And our world is comfortable with saying that. 
I witnessed a guy the other day, just at a local 7-Eleven, and he said something to me, well, there's no such thing as God, there's no such thing as Christianity, and he said, we're not really sure that Christians lived, that Christ, Jesus actually lived. Christianity is a fiction of everybody's imagination. It's creative religion. And I said, are you happy with that? I called him my name. Are you willing to die and say, I don't need God? And I want to be one that stands and says to him, called him by name, and said, I'm praying that you change your mind before it's too late. We've got to be strong enough to say the truth. The third thing I want you to see about a definition of a Christian. A Christian is a communicator of the gospel of Christ. The Bible says in verse 25, for a whole year they met with the church, the people there in Antioch, and they taught in large numbers. And uh, we have to know that we have to get together, folks. I'm really troubled, and every pastor is troubled about the this, this slow drift away from church. I remember when I first became uh, associate pastor of Samuel Place Baptist Church. We had 900 people came every week, and we didn't work hard. We hung out a revival sign, and so many people came, we had to put people in the gym. And all we did, we didn't pass out brochures like we did a thousand, two Saturdays ago, a thousand brochures in this community inviting people to come to Christ, to follow God, to come to church. We didn't pass anything. We simply put out a banner that was crudely made. It was blowing in the wind, flapping. It wasn't near our electronic sign right out there. And, and, and more people came than we ever imagined. Leo Edelman, a pastor, preacher, preached that service, and it was packed every night because we just hung out a sign. Let me tell you something, folks. we got to go to work. Can't depend on the ways of did it past. We got to find people one by one, reaching them for the gospel. They communicated the gospel. We should tell it on the mountain. We should shout it from the housetops. We have a story to tell the nations. They communicated the gospel in two simple ways. They shared with other believers. New believers need assistance. You leave a new believer alone, they'll get weak, and they'll fall away. And I want to appeal to you. And I would just say this. We have some seats that are empty here. We can fill these seats. And here's how we can fill them. You find somebody in our church, and you begin praying. That's not coming. You begin praying for them. You begin communicating to them. And you don't just say, come. You say, come and go to dinner with me. Come out to my house and let's get to know each other. You become friends with them. If we befriend other people who are not in church, we could change this church. The church is missing intimate fellowship, and people are at home this morning because they don't feel close to you, and they don't feel close to me. We've got to change that. Change that. We can do it. May God help me feel that way. May God help you feel that way. They loved each other. New believers need assistance. Don't leave a believer alone or they'll get lonely. There was a clear plan of systematic teaching, discipleship, which we teach here. And the second thing is they shared with unbelievers. The church grew because disciples were making other disciples, new disciples. And I, my, my question for me and for all of us today are we doing the same? Are we really making disciples? Not just creating people that are curious, not inviting people to an event, but telling them how they can know Christ and why they need to know Christ. We have to have that revival in our heart. Well, so what does it mean to be a Christian? It means a person that's converted, saved. It means a person that's changed. It means a person that communicates the, the gospel of Christ. Does that really define it all? Some people say this, that they think they're, that going to church makes you a Christian. Have you ever heard people saying that? I think, well, I think, well, going to, you go to a Christian church, you know, go to, you're a Christian, you go to a Christian church, you're a Christian. Billy Sunday, the evangelist, answered that years ago. He said this, if going to church, he said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into a garage makes you an automobile. Doesn't do it. So my question is, we don't want to just be interested in Jesus. 
Most of you know I have um, a passion for flashlights. This is a flashlight that I want to show you. It's a different kind of flashlight because I want to ask you a question as you remember this and you won't forget this sermon. I'm asking you with your Christian position to make sure you're born again today. Are you a fan? Oh, that's cool, folks. You know, think about a fan. You know, a fan does it just blows things around, just big, big, a lot of air. There are a lot of people, when you talk about the religion, they're just a lot of air, but they don't know. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Here's the question. Jesus said we should be followers, and here's what he said to you and to me. John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. The job for you is not to just be something in the wind. The job to you is to represent where you live, where you work, who you hang with, and who, you, who your family is. You're supposed to be God's light in the world. A Christian is a bearer of the light of God. Let's go out there and be the light of the world. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would change me through this message, increase my desire to share the message of your son, and help me to do it individually, not professionally, but personally. And then I pray you'd help each person in this room to do the same. I want to make one thing certain today in this message, that if there's anybody in this room, if they're not for sure, if they died tonight, they would go to heaven they would see the importance of what it means to be a real Christian. That they come forward today and say, I need to know for sure. If you have any doubts, I want you to do that. And then I want to say, I want to inspire you. Maybe God's touched your life to become a better Christian. That's all of us. We all could hit the altar today. If God impresses on you to come to the altar and commit yourself to become a better Christian, a better witness. So we want you to come. So come if you need to know Christ. Come if you want to serve Him better. We invite you to come. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless us as we share together. Send us to the altar. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.
Amen. God bless you. Would you be seated for a minute for your announcements? Chris.